5. For the love of money. We work to become, not to acquire. Albert Hubbard Dad believed money would solve all his problems. At 22, so did I. This quote from the New York Times Sunday Review front page op-ed piece really grabbed my attention. The special feature gave a first-hand account of Sam Polk, a self-proclaimed wealth addict. The ambitious young man landed a coveted position on a trading desk with a Wall Street firm upon completing his undergraduate degree. He chose trading because he wanted to make as much money as possible as quickly as possible. He deftly progressed through the ranks at his first employer and subsequently took a lucrative trading position at a large hedge fund. Eight years into his career journey, he had reaped the type of financial rewards most people only dream about. In what would turn out to be his final year as a hedge fund trader, he was paid a bonus of $3.6 million. Most would consider this a princely sum for a 30-year-old trader. But Sam was furious because he felt he was underpaid. In just one year, Sam was compensated more than most individuals earn during their entire working lives. And he was angry. This began a period of deep introspection for Sam. He realized he had an unhealthy relationship with money and a distorted attitude toward his work. This led to the op-ed feature in the New York Times that went viral. I became aware of the article because of the social media chatter. The op-ed piece and later a memoir were both aptly titled, For the Love of Money. Sam didn't so much covet the money, but rather what he thought money would provide. From a very young age, he was conditioned to believe money was the cure for his ills and the means to satisfy his cravings. What does Sam's sordid tale have to do with you? After all, a very small percentage of the populace pursues Sam's chosen vocation. Even fewer require his level of financial success. However, at the heart of Sam's experience is a quest that is quite common. What is your motivation for your vocational pursuit? What is your attitude toward money? How do these two matters of the heart intersect? Remuneration is generally the first external motivation for work. The desire for monetary reward is universal and evident, regardless of the nature of the work or the compensation. It is not so much the money we seek, but rather what we believe it will afford us. Many seek the simple peace of mind that comes from receiving a regular paycheck. Financial security, like other forms of safety, is a basic human need. Others covet material possessions. I have a dear friend who refers to these as our creature comforts. For others, it is the power or influence that often accompanies affluence. More than anything, people are seeking true joy. However, the joy people presume money can buy is unavailable for sale. And while you can't buy real joy, you can discover it in your work. As it turns out, we are not very different from our friend Sam. We must each develop a healthy attitude toward our work. And we must also put our desire for monetary reward in the proper perspective. It is a practical truth that most of us must work to earn a living. The remuneration we receive for our work provides for our needs and satisfies our wants. Compensation is only part of the equation. In the long run, it is not even the most important part. 
We established early on that work produces lasting value to be enjoyed by the wider human community. And while the output of work is valuable, the process of working is equally valuable. Working allows us to realize our God-given abilities and deploy our acquired competencies. Work provides opportunities to collaborate with others, forging meaningful relationships. The true value of the service you render is the work itself. You will never truly derive value from working if you do it simply for the monetary reward. The money will never be enough. Worse still, if you focus on remuneration, your occupation becomes an idol. This improper relationship with your work and your money has a predictable result. You inevitably grow to despise your work because the affirmation you seek comes only from the Creator and not created things. A mentality that emphasizes working for monetary rewards is based on three common beliefs. The first belief is we should exchange time for money. Most people must work just to make ends meet. In the most basic sense, they offer their ability or time for the opportunity to earn income. As a result, many people live with a constant fear of losing their job. They effectively show up to work hoping they won't be fired. Naturally, they find it difficult to truly enjoy their work. The second belief is we should choose our work based on the level of pay. From an early age, it is impressed upon us that we must obtain a well-paying job. The implication is that a high level of pay will provide financial security and lead to a desirable lifestyle. While high income can lead to an enviable lifestyle in a material sense, it doesn't necessarily lead to a better life. The remuneration offered is one of many considerations and far from the most important when it comes to choosing your work. The third belief is we measure our worth by the size of our bank account. This belief is also often established at an early age. A cultural narrative that suggests a high salary, big house, and fancy car validates success bombards us. Unsurprisingly, many people measure their self-worth by the amount of their financial assets. While these beliefs are fairly common, they are not necessarily universal. As new generational cohorts into the workplace, we observe some shift in values. My primary point is the aforementioned ways of thinking are neither true nor profitable. A healthy attitude toward work helps put monetary reward in the proper perspective. Time Value of Money Henry Ford is counted among a cohort of influential business magnates who were captains of the Second Industrial Revolution. This group included luminaries such as John D. Rockefeller, Andrew Carnegie, and Howard Hughes. The business processes and employment practices they instituted had an enduring impact on workplace culture. Paradoxically, the misapplication of yesteryear's management philosophies often impedes the work ethic. As the saying goes, to everything there is a time and a season. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verses 1 through 8 In this case, the operative word is time. The most common occupations during the Second Industrial Revolution involved manufacturing or working in factories. The basic measure of productivity was output per unit of time. This simple yet enduring rubric still shapes many attitudes regarding work. 
This is true even though an ever-increasing portion of the workforce is engaged in knowledge work. Many employers and employees alike have adopted a mindset of bartering time for money, becoming materially and morally poorer in the process. What's wrong with bartering time for money? Isn't that the basic arrangement between employers and workers, after all? This exposes the first commonly held belief. We should exchange time for money. If we link compensation to time expended instead of outcomes achieved, we lose sight of three essential things. The purpose of our work, the process of professional development, and the people we are accountable to. Modern workforce trends offer an extended framework for thinking about time and money. A burgeoning section of the workforce in developed countries participates in what is known as the gig economy. These entrepreneurs and independent contractors exchange goods, services, connections, or know-how for money. While time may not be the principal measure of exchange in the gig economy, money is often the primary motivator. If we lose sight of the purpose, process, and people involved in the work, pay is all that remains. I've come to accept an essential truth as it pertains to this relationship between time and money. Time is a finite and precious resource. No amount of talent or tenacity enables us to extend the 24-hour day. Therefore, we can never truly be compensated for our time. We can assign an hourly wage for a task or assignment. We can similarly set an annual salary for a specialized role. However, these forms of monetary compensation will never be sufficient to engender full engagement. Tomorrow is not promised, which makes every moment of each day precious. In a manner of speaking, your time is priceless. Do we view our workday as time well spent? Do we find lasting value in our overall experience in the workplace? Work isn't about counting the time, but about making the time count. It is essential to view the time we commit to our work as an investment rather than as an exchange. The investment, as opposed to the exchange of time, provides the opportunity to create immeasurable value. The value created is the basis for remuneration and recognition. Moreover, it is the basis for the personal value we place on our contributions in the workplace. A genuine work ethic is exhibited by what we create as opposed to what we consume. Careful stewardship of our time makes our work experience more meaningful. Money and Meaning I recently viewed an online presentation that explored what makes us feel good about work. The presenter, Dan Ariely, is a professor of psychology and behavioral economics as well as a best-selling author. His basic premise was to provide evidence that our motivation for work is not solely based on remuneration. This intrigued me because it related to the second commonly held belief. We should choose our work based on the level of pay. His research examined internal motivators for work, one of the most essential being meaningfulness. He first tested his hypothesis by devising an experiment in which two groups were paid to assemble Lego sets. With each assembly, the rate of pay offered was decreased. All the conditions were the same save one. The first group's assembled Lego bricks were stored under the table, while the second group's assembled Lego bricks were disassembled immediately upon completion. How did they fare? 
The second group made seven assemblies on average, while the first group pressed on to an average of 11 assemblies. Each group received commensurate pay but produced very different results. Just adding a modest sense of purpose tapped into the internal motivation of meaningfulness. My earliest admonishments concerning work often sounded like this. Make sure to do well in school so you can secure a well-paying job. For some of my friends, the advice was, pursue an attractive trade so you can secure a well-paying job. For others, it was, join the armed forces so you can receive training and development to obtain a well-paying job. Does any of this sound familiar? This was well-intended advice, to be sure. It frankly was instrumental in encouraging me along the way. There was, however, a catch. The advice implied one's choice of vocation should be principally based on pay. I would hardly suggest level of pay doesn't matter. It simply isn't all that matters, and it is not what matters most. As the experiment subtly suggests, we would be much better served choosing meaningful work. I regularly speak with individuals who are seeking to transition to work that is more meaningful, but are conflicted by concerns regarding the level of compensation. A dear friend just informed me of his decision to leave what had been a lucrative corporate position for a non-profit role that offers considerably less pay. Another friend recently shared with me the financial challenges he currently faces having decided to pursue ministry as his full-time occupation, leaving behind a lucrative practice as an attorney. The guideposts are not always clear along our vocational journey. I will offer, however, two helpful pieces of advice to those seeking to discern between different career alternatives. First, choosing work aligned with your interests, abilities, and competencies more readily leads to fit and fulfillment. And second, choosing work that aligns with your sense of purpose is essential for a true work ethic because you are committing to serve the mission and not the money. Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? In 1999, my wife and I lived in an apartment in downtown Chicago. We both worked in office buildings downtown, which made for an easy daily commute. One evening after work, I turned on the television as we prepared dinner. I came across a new game show airing in prime time. It was a quiz competition where the contestant answered a series of questions worth specified amounts of money. The questions increased in difficulty along with the prospective prize winnings. If the contestant answered the full series of questions, they took home $1 million. This was the largest cash prize offered by a game show. The unique format, musical score, and drama contributed to the breakaway success. And while the production was heralded, I believe there was something else at play. In many respects, the name says it all. Who wants to be a millionaire? That show, of course, became a cultural phenomenon. I would later learn the U.S. version was not the original. The show first aired in the United Kingdom, offering a top prize of one million pounds. The producers would ultimately spawn numerous international versions airing in 160 countries worldwide. A hallmark of the format was to offer a top prize of one million units of the local currency. It seems this million-dollar question invokes a visceral response. After all, who doesn't want to be a millionaire? What does a game show have to do with our attitude toward work? Simply put, when it comes to external motivations, money matters. 
Net worth is defined as the value of everything you own minus all your debts. Interestingly, the predominant view of personal worth is measured in terms of our financial assets and tangible possessions. This ties to the third and final commonly held belief. We should measure our worth by the amount of our earnings and assets. Practically speaking, your net worth or wealth merely reflects your financial position. This, however, ignores the reality that not everything that counts can be counted. You can't value a person's true worth by assessing their finances. Yet we easily evaluate others and even ourselves based on the money we earn and possessions we accumulate. These become our means of keeping score, our internal assessment of winning or losing in the great race we call life. This extends to our work lives when we perceive our own value in the workplace as a function of our compensation. A true work ethic espouses just the opposite, disassociating net worth and self-worth. A pure work ethic drives us to create value or wealth to be shared by our community, as opposed to possessions to be piled high in our proverbial storehouses. The truest measure of our worth is reflected by what we give as opposed to what we get. False Security We began this chapter with the story of ambitious trader Sam. Sam amassed quick riches but soon discovered money alone was an unfulfilling motivation for work. While Sam's life story is very different from my own, we share similar early career experiences. I've spent nearly 25 years working in financial services. My interest in finance began at a young age. While other kids dreamed of becoming doctors, lawyers, firefighters, and police officers, I was intrigued by television images of people in suits carrying briefcases. I would tell my mother that was the type of work I would do when I grew up. Later in high school, I took an applied economics course and was introduced to the basic concepts of personal finance, investing, and small business. The simulated real-world applications were intellectually stimulating. I also pursued a unique opportunity to participate in a work-study program where I spent the afternoons of my senior year working in a clerical role for an accounting firm. I enrolled in an undergraduate business program and was on my way to pursuing a career in finance. During college, I had other relevant experiences, including participating in a student-run investment company. The pivotal point came when I was accepted into a scholarship program that included an internship with a prestigious Wall Street firm prior to my senior year. I was the sole intern placed in sales and trading, which was a perfect fit for me. While Wall Street was metaphorically a world away from my childhood home on the south side of Chicago, I settled into the fast-paced world of high finance. I knew little about Wall Street prior to my internship, so the opportunity was serendipitous. I was offered a full-time position following my internship and joined the firm full-time after completing my undergraduate studies. I worked in the sales and trading division, rotating through roles in sales, trading, and research. I will save you the suspense and let you know up front I neither focused on trading nor subsequently made millions in that line of work as did our friend Sam. I did, however, spend the first eight years of my career working for two prestigious Wall Street firms and completing an MBA at the University of Chicago along the way. While money was not my sole or principal motivation, my eyes were opened to the role money plays in shaping our attitudes toward work. My parents taught me important lessons about the value and dignity of hard work, 
I witnessed this firsthand when the Midwest steel mills closed, and my father took whatever work was available to make ends meet. It didn't matter if he was cleaning floors or repairing machinery. He took pride in his work. I began taking odd jobs at the age of 12, including mowing lawns, washing cars, and shoveling snow. My motivation for working wasn't about possessions I coveted, but about becoming self-sufficient and doing my part to support our family. I was highly motivated to make a better life for myself and hoped to repay my parents in some way for the many sacrifices they made. I, too, had to develop the proper attitude regarding work and money. My issue was the perceived security I believed money would afford. Don't let money change you. As I have matured professionally and personally, I've come to see the vital necessity of developing the proper attitude toward work and money. It is impossible to experience true joy in our work if we have an unhealthy relationship with money. Paul the Apostle captures the sentiment best in his letter to his protege, Timothy, when he profoundly writes that the love of money is the root cause of all kinds of evil. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10 He went on to observe that people who covet money are burdened with many troubles. This is the opposite of discovering joy in our work. Money is not inherently evil. However, we are susceptible to establishing an unhealthy relationship with it. This extends to our view of monetary rewards derived from work. Remuneration has its place among our various considerations. It is neither the first consideration nor the most important. A trio of writers picked up on the theme of this unhealthy relationship with money. They put their words to music in a song popularized by the soul group, the OJs. They warned that an improper relationship with money could change your mind. When it comes to work, we must resolve our money issues and our heart issues. As the OJs would say, don't let money change you. My attitude about money was initially shaped by my childhood experiences. Money was regularly in short supply. I believed a lucrative career would provide the financial security that seemed so elusive during my formative years. With wisdom, my attitude has changed. Sam Polk's story reveals one example of an unhealthy relationship with money. While Sam sought affluence and an enviable lifestyle, many working people are just trying to get by. Their experiences may be further challenged by justice issues, such as pay inequality or discriminatory pay practices. Still others may have a disposition similar to my early attitude toward money. They seek a sense of security that financial wealth will presumably provide. Money addresses many of our material needs. However, it is a resource and not our source. Whether we seek the luxurious things money can buy or just some peace of mind, remuneration alone serves as a poor source of motivation. Each of us must put money in the proper perspective. The renowned industry titan John D. Rockefeller was well acquainted with producing wealth. It is telling to observe the one Rockefeller identified as the ultimate source of his wealth and his personal responsibility considering this truth. God gave me money. I believe the power to make money is a gift from God, 
to be used and developed to the best of our ability for the best of mankind. This resonates with my personal pursuits and spiritual beliefs because I believe God indeed gives us the power to create wealth. Three lessons have helped me on my journey. First, I do not espouse the belief that work is an exchange of time for money. I've learned I must provide more service than my pay dictates. While it is ideal to do work we love, we all can learn to love working and the simple joy a job well done brings us. Second, I do not espouse the belief we should choose our work based on the level of pay. I've learned I must serve the mission and not the money. We desire and deserve fair compensation. It is also constructive to have financial goals that relate to our work or vocation. This is most effective when it aligns with our commitment to a shared mission. Finally, I do not espouse the belief our earnings or assets measure our worth. Your current employment situation does not reflect your worth. You are imbued with spiritual wealth that has immeasurable value, whether you are currently employed, unemployed, or underemployed. Putting in place practical disciplines with respect to managing money has been beneficial to my financial and spiritual welfare irrespective of my working situation. When we commit to spending wisely, investing prudently, and giving generously, our money serves us. When the money we earn serves us, we more readily find joy in work. In doing so, we realize our self-worth is far more important than our financial wealth. Chapter 5 Reflections for the love of money. Key Insights Remuneration, or pay, is a primary motivation for work, but monetary reward is insufficient. When money serves you, you can more freely serve the mission. Develop the proper relationship with money to discover true joy in work. Time is priceless, and real work makes time count. Invest time, rather than exchanging it. Choose your occupation. Choose work that aligns with your interests, abilities, and competencies. Learn to love your work and the simple joy that comes from a job done well. Your health and self-worth are far more important than your financial wealth. A pure work ethic drives you to share wealth as opposed to amass possessions. True worth is measured by what you give as opposed to what you get. <laughs>